Thank you, Iron, for the way you led that worship there. It's left me feeling as nervous as usual because we stand here to proclaim God's word, don't we? Unfortunately, you have a human form and a human voice and human mannerisms and human preparation that went into it. So, Lord God, our prayer is that beyond the speaker, out of the scriptures, by your spirit, you minister to us all, personally yourself. For the honour of your name, for the glory of your kingdom, for your purpose, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6. Wonderful, the lights went on then. Hallelujah, thank you. Beware. Beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they can be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you mustn't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so they can be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive them their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. And when you fast, don't look gloomy. I love the Greek word, it just means gloomy. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so their fasting can be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your hair so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Because where your treasure is is where your heart will be also. I understand Mackie has begun a series called Simply Discipleship and that you're fed up with the word simply. So I'll simply not mention it again. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Last week, in his introduction to the series, Mackie pointed out that discipleship sets us in a particular direction. The direction in which we become a little more like Jesus every day. Discipleship is following Jesus. And I love, personally, I love as an illustration of this, the way that Jesus called Peter and, and the fishermen in Mark chapter 1. They've already heard Jesus preaching in places, we have that sense, and he's walking up the beach and they're looking at him. And he stops and looks at them and says, come on, follow me. Now the Greek word come on is almost as though he's looking at them and he's got this sort of little sort of, sort of smile in his eyes. He can see their anxiety. This is, this, is, this is Jesus. And it's almost like, come on then. Come on then. Follow me. But even the word follow in the Greek is an interesting one because it literally means behind And that would have meant a lot for the disciples. Because in their day, the idea of discipleship was that people were chosen, they learned the scriptures, and then they were chosen by a rabbi to be their follower. But if they were chosen, the young boy who was chosen to be the rabbi's follower was required to leave his father, mother, synagogue, community and family business and devote his life to following his rabbi everywhere. Each rabbi in Jesus' day demanded honours of first rank even surpassing those bestowed on your parents. If a rabbi travelled His disciples travelled with him. Every detail of the rabbi's life was to be copied, including his walk, his talk, his mannerisms. It's weird, isn't it? The rabbi's job was to teach his students along the way, testing them continually to be just like him. Now the extraordinary thing about these, the people the rabbi chose were the cream of the cream of the cream. Clearly, Peter and Andrew and James and John weren't the cream of the cream of the cream of the cream because they'd been through the education system and dropped out and followed their father's business. But Jesus said to them, come on then, follow me. Walk in my footsteps. Go where I go. Let my dust Cover you 
as you follow me, in effect. Learn to be like me, my mannerisms, my attitude, my teaching, my perspective. I'm calling you to walk in my footsteps, with me, behind me. Now that's discipleship. And the amazing thing is that some of you may be the cream of the cream, but I'm not. And perhaps many of us aren't. But when we saw Jesus crucified, and he was portrayed to us as crucified for our sins, and when we fell down and said, you are my saviour, I will follow you, he said, come on then, in my footsteps, to become more like me day by day. This is what Mackie introduced about discipleship last week. More like Jesus, day by day. Where is our focus as disciples? Jesus. Where are we going as disciples? Where we see Jesus go. How are we acting in our lives? The way we see Jesus act. How are we responding to circumstances and people? It's the way that Jesus responds to circumstances and people. What is our focus? Who is our God? Our focus is what Jesus' focus was. And we have this added to it, that when we see where Jesus went, he went to the cross. In fact, in Isaiah 50, there's a servant song where the servant sets his face like flint And Luke takes this up in Luke chapter 9 verse 51 and says the day came he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And why did he go there? He went there to offer himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. And what did he say on the way? To those who were walking in his footsteps take up your cross and follow me. This then is the nature of our discipleship. And you follow Jesus out of this building into your homes, into your workplaces, into your social gatherings. When you're there, you are following Jesus and walking in his footsteps. His attitudes. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. The other thing which struck me the way Mackie introduced things last week was that he said we have a helper. We cannot do things on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us another helper, one to be alongside us. The paraclete. Paraclete means one who comes alongside, doesn't it? And he gives us the Holy Spirit. You and I, when we trusted in Jesus, We knew that we had been transformed and changed and welcomed because he gave us the Spirit who interpreted this to us. And in here, though nobody else could see it, we knew it. Now the scripture tells us in so many ways that we can never actually be absent from Jesus, that the Spirit is with us all the time. Lo, I am with you always, said Jesus, to the end of the age. Paul says, as Even a pagan prophet said, in him we live and move and have our being. The psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from you? 
We are followers of Jesus, but we are never without the comfort, the help, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the way we follow him, whatever circumstances we face. Now then, with that as the background of discipleship and context, what does Jesus have here to say about prayer? I noticed that Mackie said I was going to preach about prayer and fasting. I asked him how much he wanted me to say about fasting. He kind of said, don't bother. So I'll mention it in passing, because it's here in the passage. That's the introduction, but it's a long introduction. I simply want to state the obvious now when it comes to prayer and fasting in the context of our discipleship. And the obvious is just what Jesus said. First of all, prayer and fasting and the giving of charity were, if you like, pillars of Jewish piety. Nothing has changed according to this. If we are followers of Jesus, then his spirit, in which it's more blessed to give than to receive, will be prompting us. So, charitable, charity flowing out of the heart as followers of Jesus will just be part of our discipleship. And prayer will just be part of our discipleship. Imagine those disciples walking from Galilee to Jerusalem with Jesus. Do you think they didn't talk? We know they asked him questions. We know they argued on the way and then sort of challenged Jesus and all sorts of things. Now then, if that's not, in a physical way, prayer, what is? (laughs) Because it appears from what Jesus says here that prayer is relating to God. And it's sharing and talking with God, isn't it? So if we're walking with Jesus following him, then prayer will be such a part of our life. Walking up here, sitting where Richard is now sitting, waiting to come here, Lord, I just don't feel up for this. I don't feel I'm the right person to be doing this. This is the way I feel, but you are Lord. Lord, carry me for their sake through this. That was between that was between Jill and the seat there. <laughs> you see. There's no need for me to tell you that. Except that being a disciple of Jesus and following him is just natural to be in communication with him, isn't it? And to pray. It's a part of our discipleship. So if you don't pray... Perhaps you need to get down on your knees and start and say, God, I call myself a disciple, but I haven't talked to you for ages. I haven't asked you about my job, about my family. I haven't asked you about how I listen at church. I just haven't talked to you. Forgive me, Lord. Let's get this back on discipleship terms again, Lord. Let me follow you again. Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray. And when you pray, let it be an intimate thing. You see, all from what Jesus says here, all the marks of Jewish piety can be abused. 
I can come and give you £500 for your much needed holiday. And I can hold it up in a very big check so the cameras can see me doing it. Well, I'm not decrying that generosity. But you see, my generosity can be abused so that in the end it's deflected from the one who problem to me. The one who did it. What a wonderful fellow he was. And it's the same with prayers. And unfortunately, I've been a Christian, well, fortunately I've been a Christian since 1969. Unfortunately, both listening to myself and countless other ministers, I'm amazed how many people stand up in church and pray for show. Have you encountered that? When it's a performance. Oh, he prayed well this morning, didn't he? All these things can be abused. Fasting. He's such a holy man, you know. He's been fasting for four days already. He's much more holy than we are. What a character. Don't let them know you're doing it. It's between you and your father. And your praying is between you and your father. And your giving is to these people. But it's for the Father. Don't let your one hand know what the other's doing. Don't let these things become a self-glorifying thing. That's simple enough to say, isn't it? Because Jesus says, if you do, don't expect anything from the Father. You've already had your appreciation, the adulation, the wonder that you're so holy. You've had it. You don't need anything from God now. You weren't addressing him. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Isn't this an intimate thing? Prayer is an intimate thing. It is communication with your Father. But he's our heavenly father. He is an awesome God as we've sung. We have to be pretty honest with him. If we're going to enter into the secret place and talk to a father who is not just our heavenly father, but is the creator and judge of all the earth, then we remember we've what is said in Psalm 139. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know my words, Lord, before they're even on my tongue. Lord, you know my heart. In our praying, when we go into our secret place, there's no hiding from God. We can't pull the wool over his eyes the same that we pull the wool over each other's eyes sometimes. Our heart is open to him whether we want it to be or not. And so we go into that secret place and we speak with the one face to face who knows us just as we are 
and who still says, the blood of my son covers your sin. I continually forgive you and welcome you. And then we bring our requests to him in the secret place. And he hears us in secret. Can you see this is not just intimate, but this is a matter of faith. Not a practice. As if doing it is what matters. As Mackie said last week, the object of our worship or of our devotions is a person, not a cause. We are speaking with God and he is hearing us. That is amazing, isn't it? Now because he says, go into your room and close the door behind you, he is not here saying that's the only way to pray. Because we know from the scripture that Jesus himself prayed publicly. We have one of his prayers probably fully documented in John chapter 17, for instance. And we know that Paul said, pray continually. So this is not the only way to pray, but what Jesus is saying, remember what's happening when you're praying. Remember the reality of what's taking place. This is an act of faith where you are speaking with the Father with God and it's Godward it's that way so even public prayers should be like that I don't know that I'm much good at public prayers any better than anybody else I've heard to tell the truth but I would love to think that in our public prayers the prayer came to the front and instead of we don't do it anymore but there was the old fashioned Baptists I'm going to pray. We don't kneel, we do that. But I'd love to think that the congregation says, Jill has come to lead us in prayer. She is speaking to the Father on our behalf and with us. We are gathering behind her. She is looking to the Father as she speaks. And we are grouped here on tiptoe behind her looking over her shoulder, listening to her words, saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that's exactly how we feel about it too. Lord, do it. And we're peeping over her shoulder to see what the Father's response is going to be. Because you see, in public prayer, no, no less than in private prayer, this is what's happening. But I'm not convinced that congregations, I don't know about you, I'm not convinced that congregations have gained the confidence over the years to do that when somebody up front prays. It's just a part of the order of the service. And you get the feeling that probably we haven't closed the door behind us and maybe we're not talking to the Father as we ought to. Just think about it. And when you pray, Don't heap up words like the Gentiles do. They think for their many words they will be 
they will be heard. When, before I was a Christian, but a long time ago as a young man, when I thought I was a Christian, I used to go very religiously to the grown-ups midweek prayer meeting. I thought I was very holy to do that. Um, didn't make any difference to my life, or my attitudes, my ability to swear, or be vengeful, or hateful, but I went. And I was very cynical of one man in particular, who during every prayer meeting stood up and repeated exactly the same words, more or less, that he repeated the week before, in the same monotonous voice, in the same... Now, this is probably not fair to him to tell the truth, because I was the arrogant one here, but in a way which seemed to me to be arrogant and pointless, so that I just didn't listen to him. And I wonder whether God did, but I hope that God did, and that I'm only speaking of my arrogance here and not of that man. But prayers aren't for words, they're for communication. One of, one of the saddest things, I think, over many years that new Christians have said to me time and time again, I couldn't pray in public I haven't got the words that you or other people have. It's not about the form of words, is it? All the multiplicity of them. I think one of the most powerful prayers I've ever had answered was when I was at Baptist College here in Bristol and I had a meeting to take in the evening here in this building. And I was so worn out with study and essays and things in the church, I couldn't think a thought. And I sat in the college library and I put my head on the desk and just said, Lord, tonight, oh, help. Well, I don't, nobody else told me this, but for me that evening was awesome. And it wasn't the multiplicity of the words or the cleverness of them. It was the heart that went out with those words. The heart and the trust and the expectation. Lord. Lord. Hear our prayer. Let our cry come to you. I think I should finish. And I haven't even mentioned the Lord's Prayer yet, have I? Which can be gabbled in such a way that it's meaningless. So that we no longer think about it, perhaps, even when we're saying the words. But notice the order of it, because when you pray, remember you're praying to a Father in Heaven, whose name is to be hallowed. Several times, awesome God, we stand in awe of you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
we stand in awe of you who holds together the universe by your word of power who sustains us right now in our life and in our weakness who welcomes us and fills us with your spirit right now and in our prayers do we ever analyse our prayers and ask the outcome of our prayers if all are answered does it support your kingdom and your rule Lord the answers we're asking for the requests we're making do our requests conform with your will being done what is that it sounds like mighty wind keeps coming and trying to blow there we are do our prayers conform with this your kingdom come Lord your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now what would that be like eh what will that be like yes give us our daily bread but that means not being greedy for tomorrow's bread or greedy for next week's car today's bread in a forgiving spirit towards others because we know God is only willing to hear our prayers now because of our own confession and Jesus' sacrifice And I think this is the hardest one from a personal experience. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do not bring us to the trial which causes us to be tempted. Which is an odd prayer to pray, really, because elsewhere in the Bible it says um, temptations are sure to come, but woe to the one by whom they come. And Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, whenever temptation comes. And here we're praying, lead us not into temptation. But James reminds us that nobody is tempted by God when he is tempted. Nobody is tempted by God. And Paul says, when temptation comes, he will provide us with a way of escape because he will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to bear it. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So what we're praying here is, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. When these things come, you are not going to lead, these things are going to happen. Deliver us from evil, Lord, so that we walk through these things without falling, without failing, with our eyes on the one in whose footmarks we're stepping with our attitude still the attitude of the one whom we are following of whom we are a disciple I hope this is making sense prayer in the end is not something to be seen by others but to be enjoyed with God And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And then you can tell about the glory of God, can't you? Then I guess you can say, oh, that's how it's happening. Then with the psalmist, you'll be able to say, this poor man cried to the Lord and the Lord heard him. These people spoke to the Lord and the biopsy came back, nothing to worry about. He who hears in secret will reward you. God bless you.